Here's what's coming up today on the Prove Me Wrong podcast. It is something that is a, it's kind of an attention-seeking issue. They got too much attention as children. They want that same attention now. I don't know. It, it, it's it, hard to say. It's but, so weird yeah. that you can't ha- that somebody can't say something to you and you just say, well, "Okay, that's your opinion. Yeah. Great," and walk off. And welcome everybody once again to the Prove Me Wrong podcast. This is Pete Lieb. I am your host for today. Once again, I have Dennis Miller here with me. D. Mill is my buddy. We're going to talk today about the words that we say. Should everything that we say be policed? Should everything that we say have to worry about the fact that somebody else is going to be offended? How do we get to this point? And what can we do now to potentially get back to a place where people can have a disagreement or have a discussion without being just severely offended by what somebody has said, right? So welcome again, Dennis. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. And I bring Dennis in today because Dennis has a bucket list like all of us have. And Dennis's bucket list, and he was telling me about it, he wants to eventually at some point try his hand at comedy. And so this was to me, as soon as he said that, this is kind of where my brain went was, you see a lot of these comics now who are getting in trouble. They'll put something out on Twitter seven years ago. It happened to uh, Kevin Hart not too long ago. He was slated to, to host the Oscars or one of those high award shows, deals, huh? one of those high-profile shows. Somebody dug up a tweet that he had from seven years prior that was eh, slightly homophobic, more, you know, probably, yeah. but it was a joke, and it yeah, was an obvious a, joke. He's a comic. He's that's, a comic. That's what he does, you know. He ended up having to, or he ended up just dropping out completely from the show. They wanted his uh, apology. Everybody wants an apology now for everything that you've ever done. So that's kind of where I want to kick off with Dennis here is just how do we get there, first of all? How do we get to that point when you cannot have an opinion of your own you know, that doesn't offend somebody and that you have to walk back later and apologize for later? And is there anything that can be done to remedy that? So, I mean, Dennis, you have a lot of public interactions. Dennis does a lot of things around town here in Northern Florida. He has uh, different trivia contests and, and, yeah. and he's a musician. He, yeah, he works. I try to think of it as anything entertainment. Almost, right. You know, almost. He's a, yeah. a media mogul, Dennis Miller. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I don't want to go on a rant here. That's, that's right. No, not that guy. Not that Dennis Miller. We've, we had that conversation before. I'm not that smart picking up his references. No doubt. You know, he's, he's genius that way. Has there been a time, I'm sure, where you said something and somebody got offended by that. How did you handle it? Oh, gosh. I used to have a corporate job, and, and uh, I used to be the king of when when good uh, practical jokes go bad mm-hmm. or go wrong. So uh, we had a, a service technician that worked out of Gainesville, and he was a, a supervisor. And we had the, a guy that had the same position here in Jacksonville who was the supervisor. And the guy that was in Gainesville was very... He was just the guy that would, you, you wanted somebody to know something, all you had to do was tell him and it would spread. The guy in Jacksonville was very quiet, good guy, mm-hmm. but very serious guy. So I thought it would be funny on a Friday, you know, I got with all my people and, you know, in my office, I was like, hey, let's uh, call this guy in Gainesville and tell him that the guy in Jacksonville is going to quit, is leaving the company and see how fast it gets back to oh, us. Oh, boy. All right. Keep in mind the guy that worked in Jacksonville, six foot four. He could have taken me apart in no time. And, you know, we had a great relationship, though. It wasn't about that. But so I called a guy in Gainesville and I said, hey, look, you know, so-and-so is looking to leave the company, you know, blah, 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 blah. I hung up the phone and we wait 
I'm making a long story kind of real short, but that's okay. Next thing I know, it didn't get back to anybody else, but the guy that I told him was leaving and he <laughs> came to me, you know, uh-huh. he's like, what the hell, man? You know, I'm, I said, oh my gosh, man, I'm so sorry. I, it was supposed to be a goof. You know, we're supposed to just laugh in the office to see how many people he would call and tell. He's like, man, this is my career you're doing. I'm like, man, obviously right off. Right. You know, unfortunately, I love jokes, but I in no way like people feeling bad about it. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't want to make anybody feel bad. I know. I hope when I do something, it's not, no, it's not malicious intent ever for me. It's, it's, you know, sometimes when I'm hosting trivia, I'll say things to the mic and I'll be like, wow, maybe I shouldn't have said that, but you know, well, you <laughs> And especially with the trivia, because the trivia, you have to keep the crowd going at the same time. You can't just be a robot standing there reading questions, taking the answers, and then moving on to the next question. What actually makes it interesting is the fact that you do provide a little bit of personality to that role. We've we've been to other places where that's really all it was. They just read the question, yeah. played a song, read the next question, played a song. Sure. There was nothing to it, and it's and it gets boring. Yeah, you try to do a little interjection, you know, something, right? You know, something that makes somebody laugh, or just think of something off off the the cuff and just go with it, and you know. But there are so many no go no go zones at this point. Absolutely, you can't say anything about anything political. Cannot make a political joke. Right. Cannot make a joke about somebody's uh, sexual preferences or somebody's sexual just just the way they identify, just the way they look. Religion. You cannot make any of those jokes public anymore. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. And some of them are just plain and bad taste anyway. And, and there is a there is a line, obviously, between being mean and and making a joke. Sure. And some people who are amateur comics don't know the line and don't do it very well, yeah. and think they're being funny and they're not. Yeah. Um, but then, because then again, you also see, and I see this all the time. And if there's one thing I try to do, I try to be intellectually honest with myself. I try mm-hmm. not to. Be one of those people who say, well, it's good for me, but it's not okay for you. I do try to say, well, wait a minute. If I'm going to hold you to that standard, I have to feel the same way. But I see these individuals, you know, when we're talking politics now, right? And they'll be offended at something that happens to somebody, that happens to them from someone who has a different point of view than they do. But then they'll do that exact same thing. They will do it. And it's okay when they do it. And so, you know, they have this flexible morality to... It should offend. I'm offended by it, but this shouldn't offend you. Yeah, you know, I have it's, the moral high ground here. It's hypocritical, yeah, right? That's what it is? Yeah, it's straight up, absolutely. So, in some comics, could care less. I mean, there's a guy named Anthony Jeselnik. Who, oh man, well, but that's his thing. Yeah. Oh my god, it's Anthony's, so funny, right? Oh, I love it. I mean, <laughs> but I know he's. You know what is? It. I mean, the guy's telling bad baby jokes. Yes. If you don't know in two seconds that the guy's that's his shtick, that's his thing. Turn it off. If you know you're going to be offended by it, there's an off button. Well, yeah, that's the problem, though. So, yeah, you go there, and you have the right to go there or not go there. How do you do that just in the restaurant? How do you do that in, you know, definitely you can't do it in the workplace. I mean, that's for sure. You cannot have those conversations in the workplace. You have to walk on eggshells. Yeah. You have to be a line stepper, Pete. In every situation. And trust me when I tell you, I've gone up to people afterwards and apologized, not knowing whether they were really offended or not. Mm-hmm. But I was like, there's a chance... That what I said offended this person, and uh, one of the one of the things that comes to my mind is there was an airport. It's uh, I think it's JFK. I don't remember, but it used to be called mm-hmm. Idlewild. 
that was the question. It's like, what was JFK formerly known as before it was JFK? And it was Idlewild. Well, the old man that turned in the answer, he put down Idlewood. And I said, no, I think you're thinking of your sex organ. I said Uh it to the mic. And I probably shouldn't have said it. It got a big (laughs) laugh. And he laughed at it too. But afterwards I said, I'm sorry. I should have probably just like said it to you. Because he always sits like near me. Uh he's He's a good guy. I like him. But he's, it was just something that came into my head. You know, it was knee jerk. And I just said it. And I said it into the mic. And people laughed. And I did not want him to get embarrassed by it was just Mm -hmm. something that came out of my mouth and i knew it five seconds after people started stopped laughing i was like "Mm." but when do we get to that point where when did that start to happen i mean it seems like it came on overnight where nothing can be said everything every interaction with anybody has to be completely measured and robotic and you know which is all which is i also have a corporate job and it's very difficult to have conversations with anyone because you're walking a line because they want you to be accessible to people. They want you to make them feel more inclusive, you know, that they can come and see you and they know more about you. But they don't really want to know you because maybe you have an opinion that they wouldn't like. You know, that's an incredibly difficult line to walk. And, sure. and so, and I'm also, I was, in, I was in the Marine Corps and in the Marines, there was a thing called fraternization and you did not fraternize with your direct reports. So if you were a Lance Corporal, you only hung out with Lance Corporals because the Corporals wouldn't talk to you and you weren't supposed to talk to privates. Sure. So uh, you kind of get used to that because it's, it's safe. It's safe. You don't have any issues going down or going up. You, you're with your peers and you kind of had a little bit more safety there. But I'm just not sure when we came to that. And I was do you have an idea or when did you start first realizing that uh, you had to really kind of monitor your interactions? I don't have an exact answer, but but I have a good example, I think. Okay. Is, uh, let's think back. We're, I'm I'm 47 and you, I'm you're... I'm 46. So, okay. Yep. So we're right. We're, we grew uh-huh. up in the same era. So I just think back to when, you know, we were kids and we were playing. And I grew up in Southern California. My neighbors were Latin, Black, Vietnamese, Indian. We were a melting pot. Whereas when I moved to Jacksonville, really wasn't. It's more so now. Right. But back then, man, we were brutal to each other. But we were friends. It wasn't like right. when you called somebody something, it wasn't. It was just, like, you know, somebody called me a honky or a cracker. I was just like, ah, that's hilarious. You know, it just was funny because it wasn't, it wasn't out of, a, it wasn't from a mean place. Right. I would just say, hey, you're that, you know. You know, and I don't, I, you know, I'm sitting here and I won't even say the words because I'm, you know, I'm thinking, you know, someone's going to get offended right. by it. But it's, it's absolutely ridiculous that you can't joke with somebody and say whatever it is with them not taking the literal context of the word. You know, the words have definitely took on significantly more impact, more meaning for sure. I think it's just because a word has become their identity versus right. who you really are. You started to identify more with the label sure. than being authentic to yourself. I never understood that all either. You know, people who say, you know, I'll just go political yeah, personally, sure. who they identify as a Democrat on the driver's license or a Republican on the driver's license. So that's this is the kind of person you are. So there's immediately a list of nine things that you must be because you are Republican. You, must, in, you yeah. must be racist if you're a Republican. You must believe in white power if you're a Republican. Mm-hmm. If you are a Democrat... You must believe in abortion. You must, you must believe in abortion. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, exactly. You, and you, that is... Yeah, absolutely. There are... 
people from both sides and people that, you know. And so the only interactions that you have now, you cannot have an interaction with somebody, just an honest discussion where you don't agree. And I can say, I don't agree. I don't agree with you. And I like doing that, actually. I don't agree with you. You can't agree to disagree anymore. Right. And it'd be okay. Because then at that point, we're like, well, you're just a Trump supporter or you're just a snowflake or whatever. Yeah, whatever How come? How about you and I just don't see eye to eye on this topic? Uh, it doesn't mean that you are the devil. It doesn't mean that I am the devil. Mm-hmm. It means that 90% of the time we may agree on a lot of things, on topics. But they're, you know, we're, we've gotten to the point where they think if you are this, then we agree on nothing. It, it is, we are completely different people. Right. And I don't know. And again, that was it's huge. It's black and white. It's total. There's no gray Complete. area. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know really when that happened. I mean, that might have happened within the last 10 years or so when they've really started to sow this divide. Between people, and we've gone back to these to tribal. There's just we're just tribes. We yeah. all have tribes of people. You're a white person. You're a white man. You're in this tribe. You're mm-hmm. a you're a gay man. You're in this tribe. You're a black man. You're in this tribe. And there is no mixture. And then the black man who happens to be gay. What? Wait a minute. What? Yeah. What are you? What are you doing here? You're not. You're not in the right tribe. Or you know, if you if you're a white man who has to be happens to be gay, or you're a white man who's married to a black woman, people are so offended. You're not in my tribe anymore. I don't know how we got there. It happened so quick. Yeah. And I told Christina maybe 10 years ago, you know, when all of this was going on, when all this, you know, hands up, don't shoot. And the world really seemed just, in, on, to me, the world seemed on fire even more so. It's been growing. And, you know, in my opinion of it was all societies kind of extend out. And they start here. They start potentially very conservatively. They have a nice set of rules. Here's our moral f- fabric. Here's mm-hmm. our foundations. And then they start to push out from there as time goes on. And eventually they keep pushing out and pushing out and pushing out and pushing out until uh, it just gets to the point of the ridiculous. And then there's that snapback. You know, sure. then, there's, then there's that groundswell of people who say, wait a minute, this is ridiculous, and it snaps back. Personally, I think that 2016 Donald Trump was the snapback, as weird as that sounds, because you had these people who were hiding in their basements. They weren't telling people who they were voting for. Every exit poll, every you know, poll poll, Hillary Clinton's going to win by 25 points. Sure had him losing, yeah. Had him losing. Terribly. Huge. Why even show up to vote? I don't even think he thought he was going to win. No one thought he was going to win, you know, until about 10 o'clock that night. And then you saw this look on these anchors' faces, you know, these news anchors, Mm -hmm. depending on who you're watching. Some of them just like like kids in a candy store. Oh, my God, I think he's going to win. Others, they were in CNN, refused to call it. They refused. I think he's going to win. Fox called Florida at like 10.30. CNN didn't call Florida until midnight. They, they waited and waited and waited because they knew that was kind of it. That was the death knell. That to me was like, what, what, what just happened? People are afraid to even say, and I think this just goes back into it. They're afraid to even say what they think anymore, what they feel. Because if they just said out loud, oh, I'm going to probably vote for Donald Trump, they would have been, the, the moral police would have just exploded on them. They would have come down on them so damn hard. Who wants that hassle? No one I know. Nobody wants that hassle, regardless well, there, of who you want to There may be a couple of people I know. but So they just kept it to themselves, and they voiced their opinion on voting day. Sure. So if you uh, take the stage, Dennis, I'll bring it back to you. Oh, yeah. If you're taking the stage, what does your set look like nowadays? How, what, how are you doing? Are you doing the wholesome? Because you could still do an old school um, – Bill Cosby, when he's just kind of talking oh, about we're talking his, about we're talking about comedy now. We're going back. You're taking the stage. <laughs> right, I'm sorry. You're going uh, back to comedy. Okay. Right. You can do an old school Bill Cosby, 
Or you could do a flat out Daniel Tosh and just blow everybody um, up. Honestly, I don't know yet. I've got a bunch of uh, ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the you know, I spend uh, quite a bit of time listening to uh, professional comedians that I like trying to figure out their process. Like, do you write everything down? Do you go up and have a outline and work it out? And that's basically, I think, what I'm finding is the majority is like a lot of them, you know, they go, they go riff for 20 minutes and they may be terrible. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't get to see it, but they may go to the, the Laugh Factory or whatever it is that wherever they go and they go in there and talk for 20 minutes on some new ideas. And a lot of them say it takes them, you know, to get that hour together, maybe uh, two years. Wow. So you watch an hour special. It's a lot. It's a lot of material. I don't. I can't even imagine what it would be on paper. What is it? Like a minute a page? Is it something like that? I don't know. You know, it's got to be quite a bit. Your your pace has a lot to do with it, but um, you know, and I think there are some comics who every word is important, mm-hmm. like a George Carlin. Yes, there was no every word needed to be there, and and it needed to be said in a certain way, else his comedy didn't work. Where there's other guys that, like Bill Burr, who I love, who just goes up and he just sounds like he doesn't have anything prepared. He just sounds like a funny guy. Yeah, he's just who just great. tells his yeah. tells his story. Tells his he's a storyteller. Yeah, and he tells them so funny. Yeah, he's great. And uh, but I don't think he. I think he works it out. I think he's like it's sure. okay. I want to talk about this. I'm going to talk about this. But he's. I mean, I think he's just. He's the Rolling Stones, the Beatles of of comedy, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he's got he's got. I think his fifth one-hour specials coming out. That's a lot. I think part of being funny is finding your voice. And all of them yeah. say, it's one thing to be a water cooler guy and, and sit around and be funny. The office for right. a minute or two lines, whatever it is. So I'm working all that. To, to go back and answer your question, I'm trying to figure out what is my voice as a as, right. What's my voice going to be? I don't, And I don't know. I'm terrified. That, that part of it terrifies me. I think that coming up with ideas of something that is funny, I don't think that's necessarily the hardest thing to do. The hardest thing is, is to sell it, is to sell comedy. It's, right. you know, it's, I don't know that um, I would be an Andrew Dice Clay by any means, but I'm not going to, I don't think I would be as clean as a, as a, a Brian Regan or a, Jim Gaffigan, but I love clean comedy. Mm-hmm. I think it's, in my opinion, I think it's harder to be clean and funny. Oh, I agree. Because I would think 90% of the yeah. comics I've ever seen are talking about sex. They're talking yeah. about, or usually it's, it's like four topics, right? It's uh, the differences between men and women. It's, it's sex. It's my kids. Yeah. Uh, you know, those those type of things. Who do you like? I, I like Anthony Jeselnik. <laughs> yeah, I do. I like. He likes talking about other people's kids. Yeah, but you know, again, to your point, talking about how many, because his are really just joke, 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 joke. There is no, no there's no fat in there. There is no it's word for word. So he must, in an hour, he must tell, I mean, more than at least sixty jokes, if sure. not more. And his pace is very slow and yes. deliberate. And you know, he lets the room sit. Yeah, and and he's a master at. It. He's really good at it. And I heard him talking to. I listened to the Joe Rogan podcast from time I do, to time. I do too. Love it. And I don't know if you've heard him on that, but he was talking about himself and, and the fact that he doesn't care if you cheer or if you boo him. Either way, you've reacted, and, right. and he's done his job. Yep. He said the worst you could do is just do nothing. <laughs> you know that you don't you don't react at all. Yeah, and he was saying something to the effect of uh, it's gotten to the point where people know now. Mm-hmm. It's not like 
you know, incidents where it's like people come in and they don't know what they're getting out of Anthony Jeselnik, you know. But I just don't understand why you would go to any comedy show if you were that thin-skinned. If you did right. not have – and I, I just think that's a self-confidence problem. I think that people who are so easily offended about everything, sure. it's a self-confidence issue. So then is it that uh, a nature versus nurture thing okay. that somehow or another – We've gotten to the point where we're babying our children too much. Okay. I'm just, I'm just, hey, I'm, I'm extending so the string glad, here. I'm so glad you just said that because I wrote, I didn't, I didn't write a ton of things down, but this is one thing that that I thought of when we talked about this this topic is, are people really offended? Mm-hmm. Are they really offended? Maybe it's it's the thing right now to be offended. Yes, it's like oh, I'm offended, and I've got this group of people that I'm offended with, and it's an attention just, seeking right it's disorder. Like, there you go. I agree. It's it's a way to grab attention to yourself. Yeah. Look at what this person said to me. Yeah. They have made me feel uncomfortable. Because if somebody came up to me, you know, and I'm not saying that things don't hurt me. Sure. But I can laugh my ass off at stuff. Like somebody told me the other day, I had just gotten, it wasn't the other day, it was a couple weeks ago, but I had just gotten my hair cut. And someone said, oh, you got your bowl cut. I said, sure did. I'm aware yeah. what my hair looks like. I get it. <laughs> I'm totally self-aware. <laughs> I mean, it's like, yep. Sometimes there's just not a whole lot you can do. Well, I don't care. Sometimes it is what it is. It is. It is what it is. Absolutely. So, and it caught me. I kind of laughed and I I think I caught him off guard by saying, yeah, man, you know, whatever I said to him, you know. I know I I got a bowl cut. I get it. So, so is it just that? I mean, it is something that is a, it's kind of an attention seeking issue. They got too much attention as children. They want that same attention now. I don't know. It, it's it, hard to say. It's but, so weird yeah. that you can't ha- that somebody can't say something to you and you just say, well, "Okay, that's your opinion. Yeah. Great," and walk off. As we become more and more isolated as a society, because the kids coming up now are even more and more isolated than we were as kids. We've just discussed that. You know, I'm with you. I was like you, I've said in previous podcasts. I would leave in the morning and I would be out there with a group of racially mixed kids all day. There were 30 of us. We'd be out there breakdancing. It was 1984. We were out there with a... Seriously, we were out there... (laughs) We were literally... We had a a cardboard box that we opened up and we're sitting there... I'm trying to breakdance with these guys. That's right. So we were out there all day long doing that stuff. We had a lot of opportunity to say the wrong thing and get popped in the mouth, say the right thing, you know, whatever. And And then also understand that how you say things in context makes a big difference. So Absolutely. we had a lot of those people skills ingrained into us through trial and error that kids, my, my kids don't see their friend. They're texting. You can't get any kind yeah. of context through a text. You don't know how that person's saying that. So my my daughter will get a text from a friend and she'll read it completely different than I'll read it. I will always try to give them the benefit of the doubt and think that their intent is good. And I will, so I will always read it in the way that it means, oh, oh it, it, that's that's good. They're just saying this. She'll always go the opposite. They're they're picking on me. They're saying this. It's right. terrible. But that's a byproduct of the way that they're communicating. Sure. To me, I, I agree. I, I have a, a and you were talking about what am I going to do for jokes? But one of the the hardest thing about jokes is has it been done before? And you, there's no way to right. know. But one of my ideas was, I was like, are our kids because we have kids that mm-hmm. are somewhat the same age? But are they going to go into job interviews and like? Ask the guy in front of me, like, what's your cell number so we can text this out, this job interview? You know, I, I, I don't know what to say to you. I got to text it. You know, it's like. But no doubt. Be kind of funny, uh, you know. Like, Be- besides right. the fact that they don't have any skill 
they're, they're not teaching that anymore in school. They're not teaching the art of negotiation or talking right. or expression. Expression, yeah, absolutely. Home ec, you know, home ec is a lost art. You know, somebody yeah. just balancing your budget, taking care of yourself. Those things are all gone. So I can completely start to see that. Where and well, I see it with my kids. My kids, my son's eighteen. We had to coach him on how to talk to people because they're not used to it. They're used to texting people. You know, he has he he plays online things and he has air quote friends that are in his ear and he can talk to them in his ear. Mm-hmm. The way he talks to them sometimes in his ear, I'd say, if you were sitting next to me, we're playing a game and you talk to me like that, I would pop you right in the face. <laughs> I mean, literally. I mean, seriously, you're lucky that there is not a kid here with you in the room. Right. Because you would be fighting. And that's the way it should be. Yeah, you, that's human. You don't you know. learn without without getting popped in the mouth. Right. I think we've all been there. So oh, Yeah, if you're our age, you've been there. For yeah. sure. I don't know what they do now. I mean, uh, I used to run with a pack of, I don't know, 15 first cousins. Wow. A ton of first cousins. Yeah, and they're all around the same age. And so when I was growing up, there were probably 10 of us that were always together. And... It was a, it was a daily it was it was wild kingdom. I mean, it was survival of the fittest. One person's mouths off to the other. You're you're just fighting, going for all it, day yeah. long. So you you learn the hard way how to interact with people and how to deal with people. You know, what, it's risk reward. Okay, I'll, I could say this, <laughs> but I got to pay the price. Yeah, <laughs> is is the reward of saying it worth the risk mm-hmm. of getting popped sure, in the face? Sure. But we don't have any of that anymore. It, it we're so sanitized now. Yeah, you said you were talking about something uh, a few minutes ago. You said something. Are we, you know, raising our kids to? I don't know if it was softly or what the word you used was, but yeah, I mean, it, you know, it goes to everybody gets a trophy that type mm-hmm. of thing, and it, I get it for a five year old. All right, but you've got to teach if you're playing a, a sport or you're playing a game. There's a winner and there's a loser, and there's, it, it, it just happens that way in life. And I'm not the most over. I'm not the most competitive person, and right. I say that I'm just not. I just don't care. I'm just like whatever you want to right. win. That's cool. I'm almost the type of person I like seeing someone else win. It makes me feel good to see someone else win, even if it's at my loss. Right. If someone gets a gig yeah. that I don't gig that I don't get, I'm like, oh, cool. That's good. That's good. yeah, good for them. I'm not like that. Like um, with music, I try to get. Anybody that comes to me and sees me and they're like, man, how do I get a gig here? Mm-hmm. I'm like, do you want to play right now and show the manager what you do so you can try to get a gig? Many times I've got, you know, I'm not saying I've gotten, I've right. given an opportunity for someone to get a gig and it's it's worked out. It's like music to me is not a competition. It's everybody's got I something agree. different to say. But part of that whole idea of competition is you, if you have... The guts to compete, and you should. I mean, everybody competes at everything in, in reality. There's almost a, a competition for almost everything, even if it's not necessarily physical or it's not something that you actually we stated. Okay, we're competing for this. Right. Everything has some level of competition. So when you involve yourself in that, there should be an expectation that you could succeed or you could fail, and then there should be some kind of validation or some kind of growth that happens when you do fail. Absolutely. And I remember I was right at the tail end of when I was graduating high school. It was right at the tail end of when they really had the winners and losers. And then when they started doing Everybody Gets a Ribbon. And I had stepped up in, in class. I was in a small school. We, uh, we had a very small pool of, of people. 
Mm-hmm. And then we stepped up into this much larger. You know, we were playing all the Division One schools, and I was running against the kind of the cream of the crop. And so there's always a bigger what, pond. What sport are we talking about? It was just track. Okay, I was running okay. in track at the time. And I was a I was a hurdler, and I was a very good hurdler. I didn't lose much in my in my pond. Mm-hmm. Took me out of that pond, put me in a bigger pond with a lot of bigger fish, and you know, I I finished sixth, I think, and I was pleased with that. You know, I was like, wow, you know, it showed me that I could compete with these guys. I didn't want the ribbon. You know, the ribbon. They're like, hey, here's your sixth place ribbon. A sixth place ribbon? What the hell am I going to do with that? You know, I didn't. I didn't see the value in handing me a thanks you participated right. ribbon. Uh, I saw the value in what I got out of the experience. You know, the experience was okay. I, you know, that helped me. Right. I, I know now mentally that I can compete with these people, and it made me better going forward. Mm-hmm. But we've gotten to the point now where the egos are so fragile that if you lose, you don't win, or you're not giving that pat on the head, or you're not getting a, getting a ribbon, you can't mentally come back from that. You know, it, it destroys your day. So, you know, maybe that's a bigger issue that we need to, to look at is how do we bolster that psyche so that you have some basic, you know, self-worth? I, yeah, mean, I think that absolutely. could be part of the problem. See, when I say, when I tell you that I'm not not competitive, it's not that I, I feel the same way personally. Like if you gave me a first place ribbon or a sixth yeah, I'm not keeping either one of them. No. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. Screw you, man. I've got my standards. Are you offended? Yeah, right. I've, I've got standards, man. I can't. I can't go that way. Sure. So we've been putting a lot of our opinion out there today. What is your opinion in terms of what will it take? What does it take to kind of get our ship back on the right course? I'm asking all the tough questions today. What offends you, Pete? I can honestly say that there's very, very little that offends me because it's your opinion. And I don't care. I guess that's what it comes down to is most of the time I respect the fact that you have an opinion. Mm -hmm. I know that 90% of the things that I say to you aren't going to change that opinion. I could hit you with all the facts in the world. The more somebody tries to prove somebody wrong, and it's funny because it's the name of the, you know, prove me wrong. There you go, yeah. But the more somebody tries to prove someone else wrong, the more resistant they become to being proved wrong. Sure. So then it, it goes from a logical discussion. Now it's emotional. Now you are attacking me. And I'm not going to have it. (laughs) So that's the problem we have right now. I accept that your opinion will be different than mine in some instances. I'm okay with it. And I don't mind it. And uh, I am totally fine agreeing to disagree with you. You know, you could say, well, you got a big nose. Yeah, you're probably right. It's your opinion. I do. Well, I'm talking to me. No, I'm talking to me. Oh, either way, (laughs) you can say whatever you want. You can say I'm difficult to deal with. You can say, oh, you, you talk funny. Whatever. Yeah, you know that's your opinion. I, I you're right to have it, and uh, so there's very little. The only thing that really hurts my feelings nowadays at this point are would be somebody in my immediate family, right? My immediate group, my kids or my wife. Uh-huh. You know that's that's my my mom. Like you know? doing what though? What, uh, what you know, they... sometimes they say things to me. They would say things to me. You know, you're being a jerk. You're being this, and sometimes that that hurts my feelings. Sure, um, but it doesn't. But again, I try to be intellectually honest if I can. And say, well, are they right? right. You know, are they right, or are they just yeah. are they just mad about something? And I, I honestly do. I I do try to acknowledge the fact that you're going to have a different opinion than me, and I'm not going to prove that that your point is wrong ever. Right. Uh, so that's kind of what I'm thinking to myself. You know, how do we get ourselves back to a place where we can have a discussion? Fists don't have to be thrown. People not don't have all. to die. Not at all. You know, none of that stuff has to happen. We can discuss things. 
And I, I mean, I guarantee that you and I could find something that we disagree on. Oh, absolutely. And we could have a discussion about it. And I'm not at any point going to have my feelings hurt by that mm-hmm. or, or feel disrespected from you. I'm just not. Because yeah. it's all, I think it's just about being polite yes. and respecting someone else's point of view. There's no, in my opinion, I can't say there's no respect because that encompasses everybody, but there's little respect out there, mm-hmm. you know, and when you have an opposing viewpoint to someone, if they're slamming it in your mouth or in your ears at high volumes mm-hmm. and viciously, if you had any chance of the 10% you're talking about, right. you just you tune out. You just screwed that up right there. You tune so, out. And that's where we are now. I mean, yeah. That's where I am in a lot of cases. You, yeah. you just completely tune out. It's yep. like, okay, I'm, I've just checked out. I've checked out of that conversation. We're no longer having it in my mind. You know, that, that's really the crux of the matter there is, yeah. is how do you – and, you know, because the funny thing is nothing gets done. Nothing gets done unless we have differing opinions. If we all think exactly the same, nothing happens. I'm telling you, growth happens when you have opposing viewpoints. You know, you look at the, the, the early founders of the United States. They did not agree on anything. And they were very verbal about not agreeing with about anything. They're dueling each other in the street and, you know, killing people, killing yeah. each other because they don't have those agreements. But they were able to build something amazing out of it. And they were able to compromise and say, I don't totally agree with this point of view, but I'm going to compromise. But there's something I, there. Because yeah, I can get the, there that works. I, I yeah. get the whole point of it. You have to have differing viewpoints. You know, you, gotta, you don't necessarily have to go the Abraham Lincoln route where he's putting his biggest critics in his cabinet so that he's, you know, he's constantly getting those opposing viewpoints. Right, because then but, you don't get anything done either. But why not? If, he's, if you can be intellectually honest enough, again, sure. where you can take that and say, you yeah, know, that's a good idea. That's not, that's not terrible. But if we all look alike and think alike and talk alike and we're all afraid to say something that, that may be productive but may be in a painful package, then nothing happens. Nothing gets done. And so then we stop dead. We just stop as a society and we're in trouble. I would just ask, and especially of the younger generation, is just, are you really offended? Honesty. On, be be yeah, honest with be yourself. Be honest with yourself. Is it, or is it just a way to put something on your social media that mm-hmm. sparks some interest from somebody? Because it's really what seems to me what drives the, the youth. It's like, how many likes can I get Post for clicks. this? Who's going to like me? Who's going right. to like me? It's like, guys, nobody really cares. That's the great illusion, yeah. right? You have you feel you feel like you are I connected. I think it's the grand illusion. Oh, it's it's huge, oh, right? Oh, it sticks. I got gotcha. you. All right, cool. As no, long no, as, as long as we're you know. no, yeah, that that is the illusion yeah. because they they give you this impression. I have two thousand friends on Facebook. Right. You don't have any friends. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, you have two thousand people who like your posts every now and then. And uh, normally, it's just to see if you'll you know they can get you on there on board for them, right? You know, it's like for sure. I'm gonna like you because you, I can get that back. I think the eventual outcome of it is we have to get back to a point where we're able to to congregate back in groups again and actually look at each other in the face and say things that you mean and that might be painful to hear. Sure. But it may be able to have a, an open mind to what's being said and, and, and realize that it's not coming in from a place where I'm just trying to bring you down or I'm just trying to make you feel bad about who you are. You should be confident in who you are. And again, is that parenting? Is, is that the way you're raised to bring you up with... I'm confident with who I am, who, whatever I am, whatever sexual identity I identify as, whoever I happen to be in love with, whatever political party I am, I'm confident in who I am and can move forward that way. Absolutely. The, the thought occurred to me, what about a, these kids nowadays doing a, a breakfast club moment? And by that, I mean, put five people that really mm-hmm. shouldn't 
you know, take their phones away, put them in a library or whatever, it doesn't matter, some confined space for a few hours and make them talk to each other. Okay, here's my, here's my final thought. Okay. The only way this is going to remedy itself is if a solar flare throws an incredibly large electromagnetic pulse at the Earth and burns out all of our electronic devices and you're forced to walk back outside and work out your differences with somebody in, in a real way. As long as we continue to have this reliance on technology and the social media and keyboard warriors and, you know, that guy who's always better and smarter and faster than you mm -hmm. on his fingers, yeah. as long as you still have that and always have that, it's just going to keep going and going and going until we're – you ever see that movie with uh, Bruce Willis where it shows them out walking around and it's a futuristic movie. And then you realize this so. isn't the real people. This is actually robots. And Bruce Willis and his wife are actually in their bedroom on like some kind of VR. And their brain is controlling the robots. So the robots do their day-to-day. -day, and the actual people are locked in their bedroom. And they have zero actual contact with anybody else. I have to figure out what that name yeah, is. Give me the title on that. Because it, it was really cool from that standpoint, thinking that you go through a, a good portion of the movie not realizing that they aren't real. <laughs> that these are just androids right. that are uh, hooked up to the consciousness of the people sitting in a room at their house. And that's where we're going. We're getting closer and closer and closer to that where we don't go outside. You have online relationships, getting married to people that you meet online and you've never met. Right. Ridiculous. Ridiculous stuff. And quite frankly, I remember I put off doing Facebook for so long. Mm -hmm. Sorry, kids. I know you can't stand Facebook. It's it's the old people right? world. But that's that, funny how that is. happened, right? How yeah. old people now use Facebook. But I didn't I didn't do it for a long time because I honestly saw personally a few marriages where people were hooking up with yeah. people they used to know. And it's like, you know what? Maybe there was a reason that you weren't talking to your old high school boyfriend. You know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. like, you know. That is, ultimately, that's my solution. My solution yeah. is you have to get something that takes that away. Until that happens, I, I don't see any end in sight. I think we're going to continue to be more and more and more volatile yeah. uh, until there's just some type of, of massive... Well, unfortunately, the last time that I remember feeling some sort of unity is after 9-11. Mm -hmm. And it, it, was, it was really nice after that time. Yeah. It gave him a, a sense of what was really important, for right, sure. Exactly. And yeah. that was also before the internet was around, but it wasn't what it, was it is now. Yeah, it was new. And everybody yeah. didn't have it in their hand. Right. You, know, they, you were still using flip phones then. There wasn't really that, that social media presence that there yeah. is now, too. So you were still going out. You know, may, And maybe that's when it really started happening, was by the time you started getting that type of electronic device in your hand. And you have it, and you're walking around with it at all times of the day. Mm -hmm. And you're no longer... It's no longer necessary to go out and see anybody. You can FaceTime them right here. You don't have to go visit. You know, I could just FaceTime you. Yeah. And then we're not physically there. Well, maybe next time we do this, can we do this over? Uh... Yeah, I actually got the FaceTime <laughs> app here, and I can put you right in, right into the mixer, and you I'm know, totally I kidding. could be looking at you, and you, and actually, it would probably still sound pretty good. No, you got a nice I'm setup. Good. I'm joking. Let's, I like. I like having you in the Prove Me Wrong podcast right. here, Dennis. That's right. Well, thanks, man. I like having That's you. It's been a pleasure. So, anybody else? What do you think about that? I mean, if we're completely off base, please tell me. I won't be offended. I think we've established that today. I welcome different types of opinions. I actually like them. It makes me think about it. Maybe my opinion is wrong. When, when would be the last time anybody out there admitted that their opinion was wrong? It almost never comes because somebody talked you into it. 
it comes from you maybe had a conversation and then you stood your ground and then a couple of weeks later it just kind of slowly dawns on you, ooh, you know, I might have been wrong about that. Yeah. It happens. It's happened to me where I've, I've been resistant and then weeks later I thought, wow, you know what? They, they were kind of right. And if it's happened to you, what did you do? Did you go back to that person and say, you know what? You were right. I actually made that change. Give them a little bit of uh, maybe an emotional deposit in their emotional account. So if you have any feedback like that, you can find us on Facebook. We have a Prove Me Wrong podcast on Facebook. You can also find us on Instagram. You can drop us a line on email, provemewrongcast at gmail.com. If you want to just catch our content, we have iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, SoundCloud, the podcast app, really anywhere that you can find a podcast, you can find Prove Me Wrong. And again, we would love to hear some of your situations and maybe some solutions for how you think we can get past this and have meaningful conversations again without feelings being hurt to the point where, you know, people are are blocking their families on Facebook because they have different political opinions. That's just craziness. That's unproductive. Nothing goes forward if we silo ourselves apart. So anything else, Dennis? No. All right. This episode of Prove Me Wrong Podcast is brought to you by Zendozone's Citronella Burners from J.T. Eaton. They're shaped like fearless little tiki gods. And let Surf and Stan, Hawaiian Howie, and Luau Lily bring the islands to your backyard with Zendozone Citronella Burners. Zendozone's uses natural 3% citronella candles and incense cones, perfect for patios, decks, backyards, campsites, poolside, and more. Enjoy the outdoors again. So get Zendozones. They're available now on Amazon and at Ace Hardware. Collect them all today. Dennis will be back. D-Mill is my regular co-pilot here now. I can kind of feel it. I'll be here. I'll be back. He'll be back. I'll be here. I'm up, up the street. I'm coming. That's right. And so for Dennis, this is Pete Lieb, and uh, this is the Prove Me Wrong podcast, and we'll talk to you again soon.